God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain sect. So today, I want to share with us on how things work with us as human beings. The purpose is that we come to the place where we are able to appreciate what is really going on. At times, in our dealings with God, it can be a bit difficult to decipher really what is going on. And because of that, we are at times lost and we don't know what is going on. We are not sure if we are making progress with God or not. Like you may have two people, both are sick. You lay hands on both of them. One is healed, the other is not healed by what mechanism or by what doctrine are you going to explain why one is healed and one is not healed? It cannot be that God chose to heal one and then he chose to turn his back on the other. But it can feel like that to the person that was not helped. Hallelujah. It can seem like then God chose to ignore such a person. At times we are reaching out to God and we are not getting any response. Like we learned on the first day, we know for sure that God is willing. And we are also in need of what it is that we are asking of the Lord. But somehow, we are unable to receive what it is that we are asking for. Hallelujah. We learned the first day that it is still working. So what God requires of you is that you pray and not faint, isn't it? But today I want to talk about the pathways that are involved with the praying so that we can know exactly what is happening. Hallelujah. So, we know that we are in the midst of angels and good spirits, right? And then devils, satans, and then evil spirits. So we are in the midst of two sides. Good spirits are human beings that have died and are undergoing judgment. Angels are human beings that have died and have finished their judgment and are therefore in heaven. Spirits are in the world of spirits. So good spirits are in the world of spirits. Angels are in heaven. Evil spirits are in the world of spirits. Devils and Satans are in hell. And we are in their midst. When I say in their midst, we are kept in between their influence so that we are under the influence of good spirits and angels. We are under the influence of evil spirits and devils and Satans. Now, this is an important reality to have because then it will help you appreciate what really happens with us. Hallelujah. Now, when we yield to God in terms of the choices that we make, the things that we incline ourselves to, 
when we yield to God, we come under a stronger influence of good spirits and angels. So when you're in between good spirit and evil spirit, do you see when I say good spirit, are the angels, evil spirit, are the devils. Do you get it? So when you are in between good spirits and evil spirits, they are both trying to influence you. So both sides are trying to influence you. And it is the influence upon you that constitutes free will, the feeling of freedom, the feeling that you are free to make the choices. So as they are acting on you, then there is the feeling that you have a choice in the matter. If only evil spirits are acting on you, you will never feel like you have a choice. You will rather feel like this is the only thing you can do. That is the wrong thing. And when good spirits alone are influencing you, you don't feel like there's a possibility of evil. But we are caught in between the two so that we will know that we have the choice to go in the direction of good or in the direction of evil. So heaven is throwing its influence over you, bringing your mind to certain things, drawing your attention to certain things, inspiring certain feelings in you that will make you think of God, that will make you think of heaven, that will make you consider righteousness even as you live your life. Then hell is also staring up in you the need for selfishness. When I say hell, the evil spirits, the fact that you need to act in your favor all the time and that what will bring you happiness is to love yourself and to love the world. So these devils or evil spirits are also speaking to you that way. When I say speaking, it's not just words. They are inspiring and stirring certain things in you. Feelings, thoughts, they are stirring these things in you. Now, when you begin to make a choice and you begin to live a life according to one of the influences, when you begin to make a choice and you begin to live your life according to one of the influences, so that if you make a choice and you begin to live your life according to the inspiration of good spirits, what then happens is that your person begins to be ordered according to the heavenly order. So when you begin to yield to the feelings that the good spirits are putting into you or the angels are putting into you concerning heaven, concerning living a life of uses, concerning righteousness, concerning turning away from evils, when you begin to yield, through that yielding, your person is ordered properly. Now, that ordering is the kind of ordering that allows for heaven to flow through you, even to the lowest part of you. So it means that we can look at the ordering as the laying of the pipes, or the connection of a ladder between you and heaven and the various steps of the ladder. So when you begin to yield to the influences of good spirits, then that ladder is laid. And to the extent that you yield yourself, it is to that same extent that ladder is laid. That ladder is what I'm calling spiritual order, setting your person in order. Another word for it, is alignment, bringing you into alignment. So as you yield to the influence of the good spirit and the angels, then you are brought into spiritual alignment. Now, this is separate from the fact that you are taught doctrine. You are taught the word of God. So to be taught the word of God is not this kind of yielding. This is something that is taking, you are taught the word of God in this earth. This is something that is taking place in the world that is beyond this place. And because you are such that you have footprints or you have appearance in the world beyond this place, then you also come under the influence of the entities that are there. So as you are in this world, you are also in the world of spirit because of the way God made you. So when you die, you just now leave this place permanently. But the reality is that we are not really conscious of our walking about in the world of spirit. 
At times in our dreams and certain visions and stuff, we have temporary consciousness of it. But what we feel is the input that the entities in that realm make on us. And the inputs in many occasions are made so that we feel as though we ourselves are thinking it. Now, the good spirits, the evil spirits, the angels, and the satans and all that are actually living their lives separate from you. So, for instance, what constitutes an inspiration from a good spirit? You would think that the good spirit is directly coming to speak to you. But what you don't realize is that the good spirit is living his life, undergoing judgment in the world of spirits, but living his life. But because you have been brought into an alignment that agrees with the spiritual state of that good spirit, you come into association such that what he is doing has an effect on you. So a good spirit can inspire boldness in you and he does not know that he's inspiring boldness in you. He will feel a sense of boldness, but because you are in alignment, you will also in that same vicinity then be imparted with that feeling of boldness. So it's important. And that is how God has made it. So a good spirit does not have to necessarily come and find you. You are able to come into alignment with them if you yield to the suggestions. And the suggestions too are also similar to this, that they also are doing things. So my point is that there's an influence that is brought on you. If you yield to that influence, you come into alignment. Now, when you come into alignment, then you develop a general spiritual state. When I say a general spiritual state, that is your ruling spiritual state. Because you have now gained alignment with the good spirit, or you have now gained alignment with heaven, you enter a certain spiritual state that is more the general situation with you. Before, there's ideas that came into your head that seem to suggest to you righteousness and all that are your temporary or specific spiritual states. So for instance, you are sitting here, a good idea can come into your mind. But that good idea may not necessarily be your spiritual state in general. That idea that will come into your mind may not be your actual spiritual state. Do you get it? Even an evil person a thought of love can come into his head. Because you have thought of a good thing. Some people, that's how they think. Because a good thing, oh, a good idea, a nice thought, a righteous thought has come into their mind. Then they tell themselves, ah, they are good. So don't worry, after a while we yield. The fact that you can think a good thought, a good thought can flash into your head does not mean that that is your actual spiritual state. Your actual spiritual state has to do with the alignment that you have gained. And in this case, as you are talking about good spirit, the alignment you have gained with heaven. So you are aligned through the process which we call prayer. Hallelujah. You are aligned with heaven. And because of that, you come into a more permanent spiritual state, which we are calling your actual spiritual state. Now, that more permanent spiritual state has a stronger influence of heaven through good spirit and angels. That's more permanent spiritual state. So it means that then you enter a state where you are in the jurisdiction of good spirit and then angels and you are under their influence. Hallelujah. It means that in that case, then heaven is able to flow through your members, even to the least of your members. Now, it's the same with when you yield to evil thoughts and evil suggestions and evil feelings. You are also ordered. So if God made a man to be upright like this, and that is proper order, 
Actually, the way we stand this way speaks of the proper order spiritually. Now, when you begin to yield to demonic influence, and now you are aligned to demonic influence, there is an inversion of your person. It's an abomination. There is an inversion of your person. You are aligned in such a way that it is against heaven and it is for hell. Just as when you were aligned with heaven, you were aligned against hell. So when you yield to such suggestions and such thoughts, the initial yielding is your temporary state. But when you begin to yield and you are now in process of time, ordered according to hell, then hell is able to also flow through you even to the lowest of your members unhindered. Now, when you are aligned, then your person becomes an attractive location for hell and the devils that are in hell. So, like what the Bible says, where the carcass is, that is where the eagles will gather. So, the carcass then is the attractive element, that which attracts. When you are ordered according to the alignment of hell, then you become the carcass that attracts demons and devils and hellish influence. It is like how flies work. If you create a smelling situation, you don't need to invite the flies. In the same way, if you also create a good situation, then the angelic influence is automatic. So where the carcass is, that is where the eagles will gather. So now when you enter into alignment, then the demonic influence over your life is more deep-seated. And depending on how far you have progressed in the alignment, because the alignment is not one day. So if we must build 30 steps to hell, if you have built two steps to hell, it is different from if you have built five steps, right? It is different from if you have built 15 steps. It is different from if you have built 29 steps. And it is different from if you have built 30 steps. If we must lay 30 pipes between you and hell, and remember hell is in levels, right? When we lay three pipes, it gets to a certain level of hell. So that level that it gets to are opposed to you. You are under the influence of the devils and the evil spirits in the world of spirit. We are under the influence of hell. So if then we lay another five pipes, we get how many? Eight. So you descend further. So it means that more hellish influence and stronger spirits are able to enter your life. Do you get it? Then we add 10. We get to what? 18. So you are descending to stronger and more wicked and more manipulative spirits in terms of their ability to keep hold of you. Then we go further. Then we get to 30. 30 is the deepest. So now, what will happen is that a condition in the world may stir up a situation inside you. And in that situation, you'll be dealing with evil spirits. But it could be that the evil spirit you are dealing with is on the level of a mere inspiration. You are just inspired. So certain thoughts are coming into your head that are bad, that are evil, suggesting that go in this direction. They seem to be strong thoughts, but you have not yet gone in that direction. Now, what happens is that if God is helping you out of that trouble, it is easier. Because all that needs to be done is to introduce a reason why you should not go in that direction. So a few teachings and a few being prayed for here and there can help sort your mind so that you are now ready to resist such thoughts. And those thoughts, when you resist them from your head, they go away. That's how it is with demonic suggestions, when they are mere suggestions. When you resist them, I will not think this thought. It goes away. And then you are free, and you move on with your life. It may go beyond that where you are beginning to gradually give in and to rationalize that thought. Because before you begin to practice it, you must rationalize it. So the thought as it comes, 
you have stopped debunking those thoughts and now you are gradually rationalizing it. It means that it will take a more complicated solution than just to debunk it. Because now you have found reason why this is true. So to say that this is not the will of God, this is a more sophisticated explanation and a more sophisticated word and detailing will be required to get your mind out of the gutters because you have rationalized the thing to a point. Or you start practicing it. But the practice of it has become once in a while lack of judgment practicing. It also means that if God comes in to help you, it will require a few steps because you have tasted of it before that you have not rationalized and justified the satisfaction you gain from it. So you still somehow are able to see that this is the devil you must walk away from and you genuinely believe it, but you've been practicing it small, small. Like, for instance, you see somebody that said that I was addicted to cigarettes and alcohol and all that, and there was a day that I decided to give my life to the Lord, and from that day, I stopped. And then there is also another that is addicted to alcohol and cigarettes and all that, and he also came. But from that day, he continued. Some people, all that they needed to stop what they were doing was that they have now begun a new journey with God. Like there are some things in your life, according to how deeply rooted they are in you, you can walk away today. And I'll suggest you do. Because it is not yet entrenched in you. It has not aligned your members into a state that is difficult to turn around. But another person too comes the same thing and is addicted. I was addicted to pornography and masturbation. I decided to work with God and then I lost taste for it. It means that there are different levels of addiction. There's an addiction that, when you are bored, you're addicted to something. So that's where your addiction is. You are bored. When we find work for you to do, and you are encouraged to be purposeful, and you start living a purposeful life, you will lose taste because you are using the addiction to fill a void, and now that void has been filled. So you lose taste. That's an easy addiction to clear. But when that addiction goes deeper and deeper, more pipes are laid and connected to it deeper and deeper into hell. It orders a man's life further and further. So that if that person decides to walk away, too many things are now associated with this addiction. That makes it not so simple. So such a person. You may lay hands on the person and the person will feel a certain sense of relief. But that relief is a feeling of relief at a sufficient level. That one laying of hands can do it for you. You can be emboldened, you can be strengthened and you rise up from there and you never return depending on how far you are in the thing. How far your system is ordered. Do you see? Like two people can be afraid. Hands can be laid on you and the fear will clear. You will never be afraid of that thing again. But another person, hands will be laid on you. The fear will clear. But you have that inside deep, deep feather. Your members have been ordered in alignment with this fear. So this initial clearing is like if we have six levels, the initial clearing is level one and two. That you are clear. But there's three, four, five, six. But it was good that the one and two was cleared for you. So that now you will have to begin to take steps with God through repentance, through turning away from evils, through temptations to clear the remaining four levels. If you just walk away thinking that you are free, you will realize that with time, the two levels that you seem to have been settled on they will be reconnected back, realigned to hell. So, because we have different layers to us, depending on how far we have been turned against heaven, the solution, which is to bring us back into alignment with heaven so that the heavenly influence may flow, may be complicated or it may be less complicated. And that is the reason why two people 
can be sick. One is healed, one is not healed. It is possible that the one that is healed in his mind, there is some ordering done so that a few things are able to bring the rest of the ordering so that the person is able to receive healing. It may even be that God has been working on the person in different, different ways to align the person so that now it becomes easier for the person to receive their healing. The other person has not received, not because God is not on their case, but because what it takes to align them to the point where they can believe. You know, in the mind of a person, a thought is founded upon another thought. And that was sharing with me a vision he saw. That he saw an angel here. I think when you were preaching, and when he saw it, he said the angel was called Michael, and that he's not the only one called Michael, but there are angels that are with this doctrine. Now, do you know how he saw? He said he heard that I see, right? Then he repeated to himself, I see. Then he saw. Now, this is important. For those of you who are preaching the prophetic, at times you think that you will see, but there is a thought that must come for what you're about to see to be founded on it. Otherwise, without that thought, the next thought will be hanging in the air. Please understand that. That is why even at when you're about to see a vision, there is something that enters your mind to direct you to the vision. At times, it may seem like you were daydreaming and your mind shifted into a certain state. Then you could see the vision. So in spiritual things, a thought is always founded on another thought. If there is a thought coming, if there is an idea coming, but a foundation has not been laid for it, that idea cannot come. So something like faith, which is of the understanding, a conviction, it is not obtained in thin air. For example, I've prayed for people and you see that they are trying to have faith. That's why for a long time I preached that faith is a gift. Faith is a gift because it was to solve the problem. They are trying hard to have faith. That is to have faith in thin air. When God organizes you and arranges your vessel, faith becomes the next thing. If you flow into faith, it's not something you force to get. It's something that is there. But we know about faith. We know that faith means you don't doubt, right? You know that faith means that you, you remain confident. So we exhibit what it means to be confident. We exhibit what it means to not doubt, but we are doubting inside. So that is where the person being prayed for may be convinced that I believed. But that is not belief. But it does also mean that God is not working or God is not helping you. It rather means that probably more work needs to be done to organize your vessel and to rearrange your vessel especially in this wise, because we too, we are made up of infinite things. So concerning something, a person's vessel may be very ready to receive because the enemy has not tempered with much. But with that same person concerning another thing, his vessel may not be ready to receive. So your vessel may be ready to receive an anointing because of how far you have gone with God on the anointing journey. But when it comes to simple being healed, your vessel may find it difficult receiving it because you have not gone far on that. Too many things need to be sorted out. You are not even sure if God wants to heal you. Do you see? How do you be sure? By reading it in the Bible. No. But when it comes to anointing, you can just pluck it and put it in. Whilst people are struggling, you are catching things. But when it comes to something else, it's difficult. So that's how you think. That then if what needs to be delivered from heaven, if the help that must come from heaven has not arrived, then there is need for more of the ordering of your vessel. Do you see? Now, one sign that your vessel is out of order Actually, a very major sign is that your priorities are different from the heavenly priority. That is a, a very important sign to look out for. So, for instance, you may find that you are pursuing what is natural or material, which is good, a material good. 
you are pursuing it as the highest good. So for example, maybe you are looking for healing. You may find that you are pursuing the healing as though everything depends on it. Because you think that your life is actually the life that is in the body. And in spiritual things, there are levels of good. And every level of good has the intensity that must be connected to it. The highest good must be all-consuming and all-capturing because that is what must be in the center of your affection, your ruling love. Your ruling love must be the highest good. That is the kingdom of God. Now, all other goods are good, but depending on how far they are from the ruling love, the intensity of your heart going after it will also not be the same. In other words, there is a certain level of intensity with which you must pursue healing. And there is a certain level of intensity with which you must pursue the healing of your soul, which is your regeneration. If you pursue healing of your body beyond the intensity with which you are pursuing the healing of your soul, there has been an inversion. So actually, your pursuit alone reveals that you have been ordered in, in the in alignment with hell, and you are against the heavenly alignment. Now, if you think that faith is that whatever you are pursuing, you must pursue it with all your heart. No. There are things that you must pursue with all your heart. There are things you must pursue with 90% of your heart. There are things you must pursue with 80%, 70%, 60%. It is important because then it is according to how crucial those things are. If you pursue healing as though you are pursuing your salvation, you will miss the healing because you are not in alignment. Oh, so must I pursue healing as though it is not important? No, you pursue it to the level that it is important. In other words, there is a way you think about the healing that must be right. There's a way you think about the restoration of your body that must be right and in alignment. You must not think of the restoration of your body as though it is the restoration of your soul. It also means that you must not sacrifice the restoration of your soul to pursue the restoration of your body. Because if you place the restoration of your body as the highest, then you are willing to do anything to make sure it is done because that is what is most important to you. If you place the restoration of your soul at the highest, then you do not compromise on that one. Anything below it may fail, but what has to do with your regeneration must not fail. So you want a job. You can pursue the job like that is your faith. You can pursue the job like you want to be useful. So it means that it is not the job you want, keke. It is the usefulness. It is the occasion to be useful. You can need money and make money the priority, or you can place where money is. And that is that you need the money in order to do the good that needs to be done. There are many things that you've been taught concerning how things ought to be. I don't know how seriously you took them, but that is also the determining factor as to whether heaven will be able to flow through you or into you or not. If you pursue health because of the heavenly vision, you are in alignment. If you pursue health because you love your body and you can't stand that your body will fall away, you are not in alignment. If you are not in alignment, then in this pursuit of health, the eagles have gathered. That is where your fears, your anxieties, because that's what they will be inspiring. Because you that you fear the loss of your body, right? So they will spit in. What if this happens? What if the ideas thoughts? And they'll be bringing knowledges. You see obituary on Facebook. Say, Jesus, everybody is dying, right? You are next. It's like a joke, right? But it happens. You are, so you are so convinced you are next. You are so convinced. Why? Because you are pursuing the preservation of your body as the primary thing. And so you are open to demonic infestation. Give you ideas, thoughts, prevail over you stronger and stronger. 
push you down. You build a reality that is so strong. You believe things that is so strong. You have ideas, impending doom. You feel like something bad is about to happen. My point is, where are the angels, right? Why is it that you are being feasted upon? Where are the angels to at least spit into you some positive thoughts? Why is it that you are flooded and overtaken? You cannot see any light anywhere. It is because of your alignment. You are out of alignment, so you have become a carcass. And the eagles are gathering. The falsehoods, the false ideas, the thoughts, the strong feelings, very strange ideas. So now, if God comes to help you, you, what you are seeing is that you have a strong negative thought and these are coming to your head, right? So if God comes to help you, you think that all that needs to be done is to be prayed for and then it will stop. But what about the alignment? Because it is the alignment that has made you a feast for the enemy. What about the alignment? To what extent do you need this alignment? That depends on how far the enemy has gone with you. If you have not gone far, papa, papa, you see the light, you move on. If you have gone far, papa, papa, you see the light, but the enemy will be there, so you still have to fight. If you have gone very far, papa, papa, you see that what the enemy is battling you on is connected to many aspects of you. It's like trying to plug a leak, right? And the leak is like five. And every leak requires time. So when God is sealing one hole in the thing, when God is sealing it, you will think that nothing is happening, right? Because the remaining four are open. But God is sealing that. God is organizing you. That is why the more you try to get God's attention to be focused on the thing that you think is important the more God is also shifting your attention. You see, like if you want to be prophesied about concerning your ministry and your purpose, the more you think today God is going to prophesy, the more God is saying something else. Listen to God. Listen to God. There is more alignment to be created. But the enemy comes and convinces you that as God is not saying what you think you must hear, then God does not care about you. So stop thinking that you have a calling in God. Meanwhile, it's not the case. It's rather that God is trying to align you because the enemy has been with you for a while and he has messed up your system. God is trying to separate the rice from the sand. It takes time, one-one. He cannot just clear everything and make you anew. It's a process. Who doesn't want the manifestation? But if you are genuinely dealing righteously, you must be interested in the process. You must. As some of you who have been preaching here, you may have a problem. And the problem is that as you are preaching, a certain fear is inside you, but you can't remove it. You can look for it and look for it and look for it. You can't find it. You think you have dealt with it today, tomorrow it comes. If you like it. You press it down. It's because it's connected to different things. You are so much interested in God that you want it to be solved. So you manifest all of the glory today. Let me also tell you, you want the glory for yourself. That is why. But God is also going to work on you. I say, man, 15 years from now, then you come out unhindered. Hey, 15 years. What do we do? That is how long it will take for God to bring you into alignment. And when it comes to alignment, it's like school. You don't skip class. You obey your courses. If he that been then crying courses in the obey. You do all the courses, class one, class two, class three, class four. You do all the courses. You'll be well aligned. Because without the alignment, God does not do things immediately. He does things immediately. See, immediately means that it's through a process. And that process is what creates the alignment. Immediately means we remove process and bam, 
God, you've seen me in my trouble. God, haven't you seen me? Haven't you seen that I'm sinking? Haven't you seen that I'm sinking? And God says, I'm coming, my child. I'm coming, my child. He's carrying his tools. He's carrying his brick. He's coming to now knock down a few things. You think that they should just bring you up. They are knocking and chiseling. Stay. As God is knocking and chiseling, you are still sinking, right? You won't sink. You will not be out of God's hand. Let him chisel. Because that's how you are coming out. God cannot just pluck you without any alignment established. He can't bring you out like that. That's why when you meet somebody in trouble, you have to be careful. Like you meet somebody that is depressed. Come out of it, la. <laughs> no. Too many things. And it depends on the extent of the depression. Too many things. Like just, let me share this. Somebody that I was talking to, I've been talking to for years about the issue to do with feeling that you are a victim. And I am convinced that that is one of the things that the enemy uses to enslave us, especially when it comes to depression. So I've been talking to the person for years, right? It's recently a person told me that right now the person has seen that the person is not a victim. The person has now seen. Hey, we should bring out our handkerchief, right? Because that's a major step. How many years this? You would think that it has taken long, right? No. It depends on what is going on. To some of you, God is chiseling by you. Like you've gone astray. You think you've left God, but God is still chiseling. Because you'll be back. So you still chisel. He's still laying some iron rods here and there. You think that you've gone, uh, you have become tired of God. But where God has chiseled you to be, being tired of God is permitted. I tell you, they tell me some people, we can't find them. We want to bring them to church. They don't want to come. I say, leave them. Just be there. The time will come that they can now come. God knows. But if my problem only God can solve, and God is still working on it, and he's not done, and part of my problem is that then I'll be angry with God that God is not helping me. Then it will happen. It doesn't mean God is not working. But where God must reach for this thing to never happen, he hasn't reached there. Do you get it? And at times, it may even take several running into the bush. Some of you, you see it. Before, you run and then you feel justified. Even when your shepherd comes and comes to look for you, you come back by... You see, you come and sit there. Do you get it? Then you run again. When you come back, you come and say, you see what you have been missing, right? Oh, I'm happy I'm back. Right? Wow, let's continue. Then something, something, you run away again. Then you come back. Then you come and stay. Oh, oh, powerful, I'm being blessed. Then you run away. The next thing I come back, you're ashamed of yourself. Have you seen that? Before, the earlier was like, but now it's like, hey, you're ashamed of yourself. What stupid thing did you do? Have you done something that you guys are, ah, you don't even want to remember that you did this thing. God will be giving you such permission about your foolishness. So it's like now you have grown small. It's like things that you did when you were a child, right? You have now grown small. Now you are remembering that, hey, me, I used to vanish like this. We shouldn't say such things. What was happening? God was chiseling you, working, laying brick here, working on you here, doing things. That's why you have to be patient with people. So this person told me that the person doesn't feel like a victim anymore. Now, it doesn't mean that the problem has been solved. <laughs> no. Because that is an important point to stand on. But that is where now you see that you must fight. That's where now there's energy to fight. So you are not going to fight. Too. Imagine how many years to now realize that you are not a victim. How many years to now realize that your marriage, you know, that you are in that, it is some way, you know, it is your fault. You have believed for many years that it is your spouse's fault. God will be chiseling you, chiseling you. They even tell you, ah, but you have a part to play. It takes two to tango. You say, no, you don't know my spouse. No, you don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. You don't know. Then they'll be chiseling you. Then one day you begin to, ah, me too. So nah, but his own is more than my own. Her own is more than my own. The one day you wake up, 10 years after marriage, you discover if you were foolish enough to leave your husband or your wife after two years, 
you get the same thing, the same, you transfer the same problem because it's the same spirits that were working on you in the old marriage. Isn't it your state, carcass, eagles? So have you changed for being a carcass? No, you have just relocated and the carcasses in the spirit you have not relocated because there are communities. So every carcass, carcassic community. <laughs> you see? So every community and what they like. So you have just changed marriage in the earth, but the same carcass. So it's like, hey, your next wife too was not good. By 10 years time, you've done like four. Then you conclude that marriage is not for you. You stick to girlfriends. Or if you're a lady, you conclude that the men are bad. You find yourself on a page that is also a carcass group on the earth, corresponding to a carcass group in hell. That's a men are bad. Fear men. Then you join. Then when the devil speaks to one, he spits it into the group. And then you all assimilate. You will heal it. Then the enemy will speak to another one, and you also spit it into the group. It's like being inside the thing. When COVID came, it's a... <laughs> now, your case is even worse. Such people, you have to do deliverance. They are working, you know, you have to do deliverance, and that's not all. Then they go and fight. Fight, and they may spend years fighting before they are clear. There are people that are addicted from rehab to rehab, right? Cocaine. Oh, is there some substance for the body? No. Psychological, spiritual, collect, reordering, alignment in line with health. Devils are feasting. That's why mental issues and antidepressant, which psychologist has cured a mental issue before? They'll just numb you here and there for you not to worry the rest of us. <laughs> and I just added, oh, your case that we can't solve it, but we just calm you down so we also in your life can be calm. Because evil spirits are feasting. No tablet can cast a devil out. If God is going to bring you out, you may come out depending on how far you have gone. So my point is that at times, eh, you have to allow yourself for God to gradually bring you out. Because where the thing is connected to in you and the demonic influences involved, it is not a one-touch thing. And it is not your responsibility to say that, how long will it take? Your responsibility is to be willing to walk with God throughout so that God can do his work. That's your responsibility. When we shared about righteousness, turning away from evils, because we are wicked people, we all wanted to, by the next day, be done with turning away from evils. So it means that just by that thing, you false start. You know, false start. But you didn't wait. False start. Now God has to sort you out. Sort you out. Sort you out. If by this time, you still are so concerned about what people think of you here, you are in trouble. So God will have to sort that one out. Because you'll be a hypocrite easily. And in spiritual things, what hinders progress and stops God is hypocrisy. If you are not a hypocrite, God will work with you. But hypocrisy is a problem. Hypocrisy. They are so concerned about what people think. You are trying to bend yourself to make yourself acceptable to people and all that. God will be helping you to get rid of that. God will permit a few situations to go your anymore. Your wings will be clipped. You see, it's not God that brought it to, but we are seeing that is a way. Do you understand that? So it's like things. By the time your voice even vanishes, the strength, the boldness, and the too knownness in your voice, you calm down. You know when you speak, you are now whispering. Then God will now come to revive your contrite heart, right? God will now come and give you another voice. Then you can speak with a stronger voice again. But that old voice will have to go. So if you think that, hey, then with all the things wrong with me, I'm likely going to be in hell. Because if God is going to start, and this is how difficult it is to bring me into alignment, 
<laughs> you should not fear. That shouldn't be your problem. Look, those that are really being transformed, their problem is not whether they land in hell or in heaven, whether they are in the least in heaven or in the greatest in heaven. That's not their problem. Their problem is that they see an evil and that evil must go away. Do you understand that? When you are destination-minded, am I in here? So those of you should tell people that salvation is a process. So they ask you, so are you saved or you are not? I say, you see, it's because we are evil people. That is why this question is important. We think that we can't exist in a process. So it must be that either you are saved or you are not saved. So when people ask me that question, I understand why it is so important a question to them. Not because it is an important question. It's because of your state. This is an answer you need. But do you know the interesting thing? If you ask God this question, he will not answer you. He will not. Because there is a problem that makes you ask such a question. That problem is what God will be trying to solve. Not to calm you down. You have questions and inquiries from God. We just want to be calm. So we want God to give us an answer so we'll calm down. God is also saying that you have a problem that makes you need such an answer to calm down. And he wants to work on you. When he's done with you, you don't need an answer. You'll be fine. Now, you know that God doesn't have to finish with you before you can be useful, right? So calm down and let God work on you. So if you... <laughs> you are so ashamed of your addiction. That is why you will not be delivered. The reason why you want to be delivered is that you feel ashamed. It lowers your status before your eyes and in the way you see yourself amongst others. And God, if he's helping you, he's going to have to deal with that one. Because he will have to deal with you and deal with you and deal with you till you come to the point where you see that this is an evil against God and it is destroying your vessel. It doesn't concern anybody. It is destroying your vessel. It's not about shame. All this while God will be working, chiseling, cocoa, cocoa, cocoa. And say, ah, with the move, with the move. But you will be sitting behind your PC, searching into the dark corridors of the internet, watching things that it is not lawful for the eyes of a man to see. Then you come and sit here and preaching to God. In God's book, you are making progress in your own eyes. So far as you keep sitting behind your laptop, your phone, and so far as, as I speak to you, certain websites that are in your head, like phone numbers, that if it comes to you, you are ashamed. So I know this website too. WW dot, right? So you will be sitting there, like, hey, God, when will I be delivered? I'm also saying that God has started work, especially depending on the nature of the addiction and how far you have been trained in this addiction. God will be working. So before you, nothing is being done, but before God is working. Now you work on you till you come to the place where it is no more about the shame of the addiction but you really see that it is destroying your vessel. Before you heard it in the message, but you didn't feel that way. Remember, what you hear in doctrine, it can be different from what you feel. So you hear it, but you don't feel that way. But God will work on you uh, through different messages, through different messages, through different messages. Sometimes you say, to God, deliver me of this, my addiction. And God will be telling you that I will use you. Hey! hey must we not be delivered from the addiction, before God talks about me being used, no, because what is wrong with you? Eh? You feel very useless. That's part of the reason why this thing is worth your attention. The moment you begin to see a sense of purpose over your life, consecration becomes necessary to you. You have not found work. That's why the fact that the addiction destroys your vessel doesn't concern you. If you find work in God, then you see that this becomes something that is preventing you from being the vessel that you need to be. So God will be convinced you about different, different things. At times, even your own self-worth in terms of your person. Maybe you have had experiences in the past. Different, and God will be mending you. God, you'll be talking about your addiction, but God will be leading you on the path of forgiveness to forgive some people. And what they did to 
to you and what happened. And all of this, God is working. God is working. God is working. You'll be prayed for. And you would think that the prayer was to remove the addiction. But it was to help you on the next step. <laughs> Dizzy. Then you go to work again. You continue. Then you'll be prayed for again. That's why you should be willing to pray for people plenty. Because steps in the door soon. And every prayer is for something. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic, he is mad, and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not do what? Cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. You feel like Jesus is harsh, right? That thing, clearly the disciples could have been able to do something. If you follow, they came to ask Jesus, how come we couldn't cure him? So that there were situations that they could handle, right? So, oh, faithless and perverse, we just didn't have power. Give us more power, right? But Jesus is saying that your lack of power is because you are faithless and you are perverse. Do you know what the meaning of perverse is? Yes, I turn around. Like what I like, to, you have entered the bush. <laughs> like you say, a perversion, right? The real thing is there, but you are turned upside down. You are turned opposite into the real thing. Said, you are faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. So bring the boy. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? Now remember, Jesus dealing with the disciples, you may look at it, oh, he called the people and sent them into ministry, yes. But his dealings with the disciples has to do with the issues that we face in our own spiritual journeys. So when he gave them power to trample over scorpions and serpents, even though they went to do it in the lives of other people, firstly, it was power to trample over scorpions and serpents in themselves. So this lunatic situation, even though it's in a boy, spiritually speaking, has to do with the removal of our own spiritual lunacy. So now let's go. So why couldn't we cast him out? Jesus said unto them, because of what? Your unbelief. Now, you know, unbelief to his different, different levels. So, because if it was very obvious to these people that they didn't believe, they wouldn't have asked the question. Yes, and then, like at times it is so clear to you that you believe. Why didn't God appear? So, they, they thought they believed. But Jesus said, man, it is still, it is your own belief. Why? Because this problem, it is deeper than you think. Hallelujah. So, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of master seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hands, to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be what? Impossible unto you. How do you come to that faith? How be it? And this is the key message. How be it? This kind goeth not out, but by what? Prayer and fasting. What is prayer? All the processes we go through for change. What is fasting? Temptations the process by which we are actually separated from evil. Hallelujah. So what is Jesus trying to say here? He's saying that this problem, it only goes by regeneration. Hallelujah. And that is also something I came to tell you, that some of your problems will only go by regeneration, by prayer and fasting. Some people go away, you are fine. But when God is done and you are still not fine, remember this kind. It means that certain alignment ought to be established in order for you to take delivery of what God has to give you. It is so important to understand this. So you will know where to go to when you find that a certain result is not immediate. 
you will know what you need to give yourself to when you find that you are not getting something as quickly as you needed to. You are not having the change that you feel you must have. You will know that you must then find your feet in the process. Fasting and prayer also means it is in God's hand. Because actually, that's what we generations. When we try to obey, we enter into temptation. Yesterday, I was trying to explain to you. You will be afflicted to the point that it's only God that will bring you up. There are some things that will go by you just feeling like you exercise your mind to cast the devil out. Like when the enemy is shooting a bad thought into your mind. You feel like, mm, I shut the enemy down. And it's true you did. But when the problem is deeper, you may have to come to the place of helplessness, rather, in order to be delivered. That state of helplessness is not that you sit and say, God, deliver me, and let me walk out. No, you cooperate with God. But the state is said that you do not feel that sense of free will that you felt when you were in the balance because you've already yielded yourself. So the enemy rises up in such a way that even though you are acting in line with the word of God, you don't feel free to do so. So you are held. So you don't sense that your taking steps to obey God is actually bringing you out. It's like an exercise in futility. Just that you are sticking to the way. Then God can come in to help you. Hallelujah. Then God can come in to help you. So that is the word of God to you. That this kind goeth not, but by prayer and fasting. This morning I was praying as to what to share with you. And this is the word that God gave me. How be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. If you will understand this, then you will know what to do concerning your situation. That it's not that God has ignored you. It is not that God is unwilling to help you. It is not that there is no power that can deliver. So if God is busy working on you, the enemy convinces you that you that you can't be delivered. You walk away. And God can't do anything when you have walked away. That's why the first message was this. Men ought always to pray and not faint. Because in many cases, you will face a kind that goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. It will require dedication and commitment to God. And to follow God like you are moving through a maze. You don't know how this directly impacts what it is that you are seeking deliverance from. But God is that kind. And that if you don't understand what he's trying to do for you and with you, you'll be angry with him and annoyed. It's like he's ignoring the crucial things, majoring on the minors. But you rather are majoring on the minors. But if you are willing to follow God completely, you will see that the way that you thought you have to use to arrive at that destination. God knows the actual way. You are talking to God about marriage, but he's talking to you about something else. Leading you away from the subject. Some of you enter prayer. I remember when I was on campus, one day I waited for everybody to leave the room. Because you had gone to places and he said, you have to pray into your relationships. So, I also stood in front of the mirror. I was going to pray about grabbing. Literally, prayer warrior type of pose. But those pray. So as I started, I, I saw myself in the mirror. Then I started laughing. I was in second year. I couldn't. So I stopped. So if that's what God is doing with you, 
That thing that bothers you, when you set out to pray, you can force it. You know how to beat the balls of a horse. When you are racing a horse and you want the horse to move faster, you beat the balls of the horse. Do you get it? The balls are the testicle. <laughs> but the horse has a limit. When you beat them, you say it's going, it's going. But you see, you're trying to overtake somebody. But there's a point where you realize that no matter what you do from this point, you can crash the balls into powder. You get it? The horse is not moving any faster. So you try that kind of thing in your prayer. You feel like, oh, it's a sign that you must keep pushing. You push, you push, you push, you push. You that God is not lifting you. But a thought of another subject comes into your mind and then you realize that you are flying. And then you try to use that flight to come back into... <laughs> oh yeah, it's as if you are different from me, right? We are all the same. You try to use that flight <laughs> to come into the important one. <laughs> then, <laughs> you see that? They say, go back. This, is it that God doesn't care about this? Who knows the way he taken and I will walk in heavenly love abided. No change my heart shall fear and say they such confiding for now they change the storm may roll without like everybody's finding their place but you can't find your place my heart may lose But God is round about me. Oh, and can I be? I want you to sing it with understanding. In heavenly love, abiding. No change, my heart. Shall be Some of us we are very erratic concerning this transformation thing. So God is going to work on you and bring circumstances to calm you down. Then you say, God, wherever you take me, just let's go. If we arrive in the next 50 years, I'll arrive with you. If it's in the next two years, I'll arrive with you. If it will take you Ten years to thoroughly remove this problem. I'm with you. Before, because it's about us and about we want God to remove our problem today. But I'm telling some of you, you will enter your grave with your problem. And it is not that God is not working. God will work, but the manifestation you are looking for, you will achieve it in the world of spirit. Yeah. <laughs>